Welcome back to the Bristos Made a Baby podcast, season three, baby number three. I am your host, Becca. I am here with my lovely husband, Matt. We are together pretty much 24-7 between working, parenting, our two little girls, making our 1800s farmhouse our own. And trying to live our best, healthiest lives. We are so excited for this new season of life and to bring you guys along the journey for baby number three. Let's go. Hello, hello, friends. We're back. We're back. A little bit of a delay, but we are back. My God, we said it was going to be hard for us to sit down. We did not think it was going to be this hard for us to sit down. Just the amount of things that got in the way. It's the little podcast that could. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to be here. That's all I can say. So today, we're just going to jump right in because there is a lot to dish on, discuss, whatever today. Because we're going to cover the entire first trimester. Um, because it's a blur, (laughs) mainly. No, for real. We're going to cover the whole first trimester just to kind of bring you up to speed. If you have listened to either season one or season two of this podcast, then this information as far as how I felt is not all that different. It was, it was pretty similar. So you may be kind of expecting what I'm about to tell you. Um, spoiler, it was not very fun. But we also had a lot of just like life happenings go on in the first trimester. It was a busy time for us. Um, And I also have just some major updates with this pregnancy, um, basically stemming from what happened postpartum last time when I got um, like a giant blood clot in my leg. Um, So we'll we'll get to that. But first, I just kind of want to dive in and start talking, turking, talking about the first trimester. But before we even get to the part where I was sick, we we explained last episode how we found out, right? Yes, we did. I, I believe it's been so long, I forget, but yes, <laughs> we did. We did explain that. But so, okay, so we found out and then um, I, you know, I felt fine for like all of week. I found out like right around when I was like four weeks pregnant. I can't remember the exact day. And then all of week five, I felt fine. But so um, this time around... I am seeing an OB and have been from day one. So that is a huge change off the bat from my previous pregnancies. I've never actually seen an OB. Um, I've only ever seen midwives. In my first, very first pregnancy, I started seeing a midwife in a hospital and very quickly switched to a birth center, which I loved so much. And then with my second pregnancy, um, I was like down to go back to the birth center, but I also kind of wanted to, I really wanted to have a we really want to have you. We're on board yeah. with um, a home birth. So I switched to a home birth midwife. Her name was Karen and she was a rock star. I love her. I wish that I could go to her. But because of certain complications and just I basically I risk out of midwifery care, which I'll get to that. Um, so I'm seeing an OB. So one major difference was they are they monitor a lot more from day one. So with my midwives in both of my previous pregnancies um they were like yeah we'll schedule you for like 10 weeks you can come in and we'll start care then with this they were like okay we need we want you to come in right at like in your fifth week so we can do a blood test to like confirm the pregnancy because um I guess the test isn't enough that home test 
and then you'll come back a week later to make sure that your HCG is rising and then we'll go ahead and schedule an ultrasound like a week later. So it's just very different in the amount of like monitoring, which I don't necessarily mind, um, especially having had a miscarriage. It's kind of nice to monitor, I guess, a little bit more. However, the in the, the pregnancy that I miscarried, my HCG levels were perfect because I had a weird feeling that something was off. So I got them tested just to be safe. And they were fine. So that's not always necessarily, I guess, an indicator. Um, so we got the blood tests. And do you remember what we were, like, freaking out about a little bit? Um, we thought it was going to be twins. Oh, oh, before the blood test, you're saying? No, because remember we got, like, the HCG numbers back? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we, uh, they were, we looked up the numbers. And based on how far along you were, the numbers were in the range for potentially having twins. Yeah, so I don't remember. I think it was like 400 or so, the first, very first one, which was like in week five. And then I went back the next week and it was like 10,000 something, which was like way more than doubling every 48 hours or whatever the average is. Right. And I, we, I have twins on my side of the family. So every time I'm pregnant, we're like, oh, it's going to be twins. <laughs> yeah, I really thought it was going to be twins. I don't know. I just had a feeling too. Just felt like we would have twins for some reason. And that just kind of made me really think it was going to be twins. Like, I was waiting for the ultrasound to just confirm that. Yeah, we, we really did, because seeing those blood tests. Um, but apparently that's not even... Because I was talking to some friends, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's happened to me, and I there was just one baby in there. Um, honestly, I would have... Twins is a little scary. <laughs> but I would have welcomed it, because we think we want to have four kids, so that would have just been one more pregnancy. Yeah, but after seeing friends with twins, it's... Uh, Scary proposition. <laughs> yes. So I'm okay with one and then one. Yeah. Well, you also don't have to carry them, so of course you are. Well, I, mean, I have to care for them when they're born. <laughs> True, but you don't have to go through the pregnancy. True. Um. So yeah, we thought it was twins. You know, it was kind of like just in the back of our minds, like, oh, maybe it's twins. And then when we saw that result, my like, I was like, whoa, okay, wait, this actually like legitimately might be twins, because <laughs> we always kind of joke about it. Um. Anyway, so it's obviously not twins, um, but okay, so that was kind of like the very first thing we experienced, and then around week six, like week five, I felt fine, and then as we moved into week six, that was when the sickness started showing up, so lots and lots of nausea. This is typically what I experience, not a ton of throwing up. Um, I've actually only thrown up twice so far, and I think by this point, I'm out of the woods, at least on throwing up. Um, but lots and lots of nausea. It's basically 24 seven. It's unrelenting. The only time I get a break is if I'm asleep. So if I am awake, I am nauseous and it's just, it's not fun. (laughs) Um, energy wise, not terrible. Um, all of my pregnancies have been that way. I'm not, I'm not like dealing with like the extreme exhaustion that I hear some moms talk about, which typically sounds like more tends to be boys and then the sickness tends to be girls, but who knows? It's all over the map. Um, so just nausea all the time, only threw up a couple times, but it's interesting. So with this pregnancy or in my, I should say my last pregnancy, I took Unisom and B6. Unisom is like an over the counter antihistamine, I think. And then you pair it with vitamin B6 and that really helps keep the nausea um, a little bit more manageable and the throwing up a little bit more manageable and I just you know was like oh I'll just you know once I get really sick again I'll start taking that not really thinking much about it but I am still was all through the first trimester still am 
nursing. So I had this realization one day when I was starting to feel really sick. I was literally about to like tell Matt to go to the store to get Unisom. And then it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. Can I take that while nursing? And of course I looked it up and it's not recommended. And I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And then even like a lot of the natural remedies, um, not natural remedies, but like supplements and things that I could take um, that I was kind of looking into were also like a little sketch with nursing. So I was feeling really scared. I was like, how am I going to face this without anything to take the edge off? Because last time I really needed it. Um, But I was, you know, I was able to power through with nothing other than just, you know, whatever food sounded good and sipping on club soda. And I have a whole um, YouTube video coming out on things that I did to help with my morning sickness, like certain foods or remedies or all natural stuff, you know, that you can easily, anyone can do. Um, so you can go check that out if you want to hear more specifics on what I did to kind of manage things. It never, there's no cures. Wish I could give you a cure. There isn't. Um, but it does help take the edge off. Um, okay. So it basically feels like you're hungover every day. It's like Groundhog's Day every day. You wake up and you feel like you drank like six margaritas the night before, um, and didn't drink any water and you just feel so nauseous and like you just want to lay down and even though like no food really sounds that good, you're like constantly hungry. And like, no matter how much you eat, you feel like you can't fill your stomach. You just want to eat crap and just be a big old potato on the couch, basically. Is that what I was? A potato? Big time. Uh, (laughs) Potato chips on your sleeves when you're eating them, crunching, munching. No, that wasn't the, (laughs) I actually don't think I had, did I have any chips this time? I mean, sometimes I would get chips, but wasn't like a craving, I don't think. No, I used to crave salt and vinegar chips, but... Speaking of cravings, what were your cravings? Oh, good question. Um, let's see. Cravings. Anything with hot sauce, especially eggs, like fried eggs or scrambled eggs with hot sauce. So good. Um, pickles, which is like not exciting, but um, pickles, the Grillo's specific brand. You find them in the refrigerated section in the grocery store. Um, cost, my Costco, at least, also sells them in, like, giant buckets, which is just, like, sweet glory. <laughs> They're the best, most flavorful, fresh, crunchy pickles. I've been a fan of them for years. So, pickles, um, in the very beginning, Starbucks egg bites. Oh, my God. We were getting those a lot. Yeah. You were getting those. I was getting, uh, uh, what's it called? The pumpkin spiced. No. Oh yeah, the whatever that cold brew that nasty. <laughs> nasty. You don't like the pumpkin cold brew? No, it's too sweet. I don't like it. Mm, it's delicious. Matt loves those. So this was in the fall. So this was like end of October, all of November, all of December is when I was like pretty sick. Yeah. Then we switched to the peppermint mocha. Oh yeah, you like that? Yep. We tried to make it at home with our espresso machine, and Matt was like, "No." Needs more peppermint. Yeah, which is crazy because I put literally like an entire drop of peppermint essential oil which is so strong and he was like it's not strong enough i couldn't believe it so we'll have to try again with more (laughs) drops there we go um so egg bites that was a big one um and then sorbet this is a craving every time i love cold fruit when i'm pregnant but like most especially i want sorbet like i just want to eat a big bowl of like raspberry or like mango sorbet which is weirdly kind of hard to find um, I'm sure I could find it in a grocery store, but like if we run to like, we have, they're called Wawa's. It's like a convenience store. Um, they never have it, but I found at Wegmans, they have these like sorbet popsicles 
and they were delicious. They're like fairly sugary, but, um, there was like a week or two straight where I had one every night and it helped ease my nausea. I feel like anything sugary, weirdly enough, takes the edge off nausea, which is like not the best thing, but you just got to do what you got to do to survive. So we got like a few boxes of those. Um, and then I was like grossed out by them. So I never even finished them, but sorbet, eggs and hot sauce, pickles, usually salt and vinegar chips or old bay chips, but I never had any. Um, those are like the main ones that I can think of. Yeah. Good stuff. I was always a fan. I always liked the first trimester. I, well, I hate that you're sick, but I like that we get takeout a lot. Oh, gross. So much takeout. Oh, I should say pepperoni pizza. That's always a mm. classic. Yep. Um, yeah. Pepperoni pizza, anything pepperoni, just something about it. Sounds really good. Um, so yeah. Okay. So those, so that's, that's the main gist feeling super hungover, nauseous all the time, every once in a while throwing up. Um, I also was like breaking out a little bit on my face which happened to me in my first pregnancy, didn't happen to me at all in my second pregnancy. So who knows what that means? Um, but no, nothing crazy because I t- tend to have very clear skin, but luckily, but a little bit of breaking out. Um, and then, so I said I wasn't like super tired, which overall I feel like my energy levels weren't terrible. I feel like I was laying around a lot because I was sick, not because I was actually like really tired. However, this happens to me every time. There's something about the window right after breakfast where I'm my most exhausted and I could like easily go back to bed, which in normal life, that's when I'm like my most energized where it's like time to like get work done. Like, like I'm just like ready to go. But then in pregnancy, especially early pregnancy, that is when I'm literally like zombie. I'm like, it's hard to keep my eyes open. I just want to lay down. And if I do lay down, I will like absolutely fall asleep. Um, so I don't know what that's all about, but I would, how I would remedy that. Cause now I've, you know, now I know that this is a thing. Um, I didn't really drink coffee at all in my first trimester, not because I avoid it. Um, that's a question I get a lot. Um, it's because I just don't like the taste of it. Like I just don't care for it. I don't want it. I don't crave it. So I just don't have it. But once that kind of subsides, I do go back to drinking coffee. Although I drink decaf coffee again, not specifically cause I'm pregnant. Um, you can have about a cup, maybe two a day and it's, you know, it's considered fine for pregnancy, caffeinated coffee that is. Um, but I just feel much better when I don't drink caffeine. I just don't respond to caffeine well. I've gone on and off for a long time, keep decaf non, you know, regular, whatever. And for the past year, I'd say I haven't had it hardly any caffeine. Um, and that's fine by me. I have plenty of energy. So anyway, so I, what I would do to remedy this was I would have, I bought like a big jug of like iced cold brew or whatever cold brew that I'd keep in the fridge and I would pour do you remember when I would do this like mm-hmm. just like a little almost like two fingers like maybe we'll do like two fingers of whiskey or something you wouldn't even finish it no it would be like like two fingers of iced coffee with like half and half and sometimes ice sometimes not and I would literally sip on it during breakfast not because I enjoyed it but because I strictly just wanted the caffeine and I would have like probably like five sips and it was just enough to like make me not pass out. <laughs> like it just gave me enough of a jolt because I'm that sensitive to caffeine because I don't drink it very much. Um, so that's what I would do most days. And that would really help kind of like stave off that like, oh my God, I just want to go back to bed feeling, which is not fun. Um, so yeah, so I have written down, spent most of my time resting hard with two littles, but Matt helps a ton. And we also have a babysitter that comes most days of the week, um, in the morning and she watches the girls it's so that we can work, but 
at this point in time, it was so that I could just <laughs> die a slow death <laughs> right? every day. Yeah. No, she's very helpful. Nine to one. It's very... Oh, she's great. Key hours of the day. Yeah, we love her. Um, so, still nursing at this point. Um, my supply went down in the very beginning. Like, it, I definitely noticed a dip. I explained that in my in the first episode. Um, it was one of the things that kind of tipped me off. But then it stayed kind of steady, and it's it's been lower, but it's been enough. Like, she's still nursing, um, and she was still, you know, getting milk. And we actually have so much stored in the freezer that I'm just, like, not worried about, you know, if, if my supply, like, goes down even more. I'm just, like, not really worried about it. Um, but so she still wakes up in the middle of the night. So every night waking up sick to go nurse my other baby <laughs> was – a little challenging, honestly, not as bad as I thought it would have been. Um, actually getting up to feed her, it's like a 10 minute ordeal. It's like not a big deal. But the hardest part was then I would be really awake and then I would lay awake sick for, you know, an hour or two. So it wasn't actually like nursing her. That was a pain. It was just the fact that I was like awake afterwards. Um, so those were like the main symptoms physically, what I was dealing with. Um, mentally much better this time around um just I felt so much more accepting of like this is just what it is I wasn't fighting it I wasn't feeling as guilty about you know having to like rest all the time and take a lot of time off of work and not be as helpful with the girls and you know all the things that come along with that that to me I always am so guilt-stricken and that is like half the battle I just feel horrible for being useless I just hate that I can't keep up. I can't stay on top of things. Um, I just really hate that part of it. And it would cause me a lot of like mental turmoil. So like on top of feeling terrible physically, I was also mentally just not in a good place because I just, I just did not like the situation that I was in and I was just trying to fight it. And it was like, that's not happening, girl. Like sit down. (laughs) Um, But this time around, this is technically my fourth time going through a first trimester. So just a lot less guilt and just more like this is, is it is what it is and it's temporary and eventually it's going to end and I'm going to feel better and life will go back to normal. But I just have to like deal with this now. And instead of pouting about it and feeling like crap about it, I'm just going to get through it. Um, so that was good. Mental aspects aspect was so much better and honestly can be the hardest, I think, even though being really sick is really hard. But mentally battling that every day is just as hard and can be even more draining I think um so I was really happy that that this time around was more um I was just more gentle on myself I guess yeah I was happy you were able to let go of that because it's really not that big of a deal I understand you're sick I'm happy to be with the girls they're easy enough some days but um (laughs) your your job is caring for the baby in your belly my job is caring for the children that are walking and crawling on this place we call earth (laughs) (laughs) well that's another weird thing because it it feels it almost feels like indulgent to be like laying around while like you take care of the kids well i like when you're laying around near us at least that's like you're there and you could you can talk talk to hayden yeah and and i feel like there wasn't like last time around we we don't have a tv in our bedroom because we just we only have one tv in the house i have like a weird thing about that 
but we we put a TV, a small TV in the bedroom. Remember that last time? So that I could like just like sneak away and go watch like the office or whatever and right. be miserable in bed. Yep. But we didn't, we don't, we literally don't have like a, like where would we put a TV in here? I don't even know. So that wasn't an option. So I was just, I was more like part of the group. I was just part of the team laying around. Um, so anyway, but it, it's, it's weird. Cause it, you feel, it feels indulgent. Like, oh, I shouldn't be laying down. I should be getting up. I should be helping. I should be doing all these things, but it's really not like you have to flip your mindset to like, I'm not being lazy. I am resting because my body really needs it. Like I physically can't keep up the pace I used to go or doing the things I used to do when I felt great. And when you really think about it, it's like, well, duh. Like, of course, if you feel super sick, you're not going to be able to do all the things you used to do. But it's just hard when it's over such a prolonged period of time. Like, it just doesn't feel like you should just be like, well, I can't do it. So it's just, it almost feels like too long to be in that mindset. But like, you don't really have much of a choice. Like, you do have to prioritize and you have to let a lot of things go um, and just do whatever you can to get through that time period. Yeah, definitely. Um, But what was the other most difficult part of your pregnancy so far in the first trimester? What do you think? Uh, probably the shots. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you why don't you tell the tell the class about about these shots? Um, I'm assuming most of you listened to last season, maybe maybe not, but Becca has to uh, inject Lovenox into her belly daily, and I used to do it. Uh, postpartum with Hadley I did it for a while then she finally figured it out which is much better because it's less painful it seems to be but um, every morning she has to give herself a shot for a blood it's a blood thinner Lovenox mm-hmm. um, for her DVT and why don't you explain from there that's about all I know yeah so I had a DVT postpartum which is uh, deep vein thrombosis it's basically a, d- a blood clot in your deep veins um mine happened like a week and a half postpartum it extended like from my hip to my foot it was like my whole leg it was kind of a big deal um and I was on these shots for a few months I think it was three months to treat it and then they basically told me the hematologist that I go to I think this is different I don't think this is necessarily the case for all women I'm pretty sure it it depends on your specific case but in my specific case he was like I want you on the Lovenox from the t- like literally the time you find out you're pregnant, I want you to call me that day and I'm going to put the script in and then you're going to be on it your entire pregnancy <clears throat> and then six weeks postpartum. So if you would have told me this like a year ago, I would have probably like cried on the spot, <laughs> like thinking or knowing that I would have to like literally inject myself with a needle every day because I am so needle. Well, I used to be so needle phobic. Um, I've obviously gotten used to them. I mean, I've had so much exposure to them over the last year that it's helped a lot with the fear, but Matt used to do them every day and it is better now because it was, it was a lot more drama. Like mm-hmm. you have to like take 3d breaths. Like I'm not ready yet. Yeah. It, <laughs> and Matt would just want to get it over with. And usually like there's screaming children and mm. cause you know, who's watching the kids while dad's focused on the shot. Nobody, they're right here crawling on the ground, running around. Right. So, um, so yeah. And that just like the anticipation of waiting for him to do it. And when you do it yourself, like I do it a lot cause he would just want to like get it done, you know, like, so he's not hurting me. But when I do it, I do it like I actually like inject, like push the plunger down like much more slowly. So it burns less. So like, you know, you can, 
it's there's no anticipation when you're doing it yourself and it you can control how it feels a little bit more um but they hurt they didn't hurt so much in the beginning because I feel like my belly was just like fresh it hadn't been like shot up in a while but as time goes on it just gets sensitive and it just starts to bruise more and they hurt more um and I still have a long way to go with these bad boys um so they're yeah daily injections not fun but I've gotten so much more use to them it's just something I have to do and I, n- I never look forward to it and they do hurt but it's just like it is what it is but this is basically to prevent any clots from forming while I'm pregnant and then again six weeks postpartum that's when you're still at the greatest risk um, so for me it was I have something called factor five which is a blood clotting disorder um, so I'm more likely to clot because of that pregnancy in general um, increases your risk for clotting most people never end up clotting, even with factor five. I didn't even clot in my first pregnancy with factor five. Um, at the time, I didn't know that I was positive for that, but I am. Um, and then having had like a personal history of having a clot, it, it puts you at even like greater risk is what my doctor told me. So that's why I have to be on it the whole time. Um, so they're not fun. Used to be terrified. Now I'm pretty nonchalant about them, um, even though I don't look forward to it. But because of this, because of being on Lovenox, aka blood thinners, this essentially risks you out of midwifery care, at least in an out-of-hospital setting. So I will have to give birth in a hospital. So basically, God forbid, I hemorrhage. Um, you want to immediately be able to remedy that and control it, which you can easily do in a hospital setting, not so much in an out-of-hospital setting. So that is why I have to be in the hospital. At the very end of my pregnancy, I will actually switch to a different blood thinner called heparin, um, which I'll have to inject twice a day. Woo! (laughs) But that is because it has like a shorter, um, it lasts in your body for only 12 hours instead of 24. So it like decreases the window that your blood is thinned, which can be you know, advantageous for labor so that you're avoiding hemorrhage. And also my OB explained that with heparin, they can easily like give me vitamin K through an IV if I do start to hemorrhage and that will counteract it. But they can't do that with Lovenox is what she explained to me. Um, anyway, so I have to give birth in a hospital, which is, if you guys know, if you've been following for a long time, not that I'm against hospitals in any way, I'm just against, or I am for birthing where you feel the most comfortable. And for me, that's just not a hospital. Um, it's in a birth center or home birth. That is personally where I feel the most safe and comfortable and supported. Um, but that's just not, you know, in the cards this time around. And I've had to kind of come to terms with that. Um, I feel so much better about it now. I'm like, you know, getting excited. I'm forcing myself to get excited about hospital birth, watching lots of natural birth in, um, hospitals videos and just getting myself, you know, excited and, and comfortable about being in that setting because it's really important. Um, so because of that, I'm seeing an OB. Now, I've talked to a lot of ladies via Instagram who are in this position and you can still go, like you can still be seen by a midwife and pot- potentially even have a midwife birth, birth your baby if they are part of an OB practice. Um, and that is like a fairly common thing. Um, so basically you would see the midwife in the practice from what people tell me, I'm not doing this, but see a midwife in the practice, um, your whole pregnancy. And essentially like the OB would just be overseeing your situation. And then you could even have like the midwife, you know, be there when you actually give birth in the hospital. Um, I would love to go that route 
it's just not really available to me, which is so shocking. There's one hospital in my entire area that has a practice that has a midwife in it where I could do that. I just don't personally want to birth in that hospital. It would be like my last choice. So I'm just not doing that. Um, although I totally would, but it's just like, it's not really an option. So just know ladies out there, if you're in this situation that it, it could be an option. Um, it's just not really for me, at least not in a hospital I want to go to. So that being said, I had to find an OB. Um, and I actually asked on Instagram as well. And I got so many local ladies to chime in. And by far, they were recommending this one practice. And I was able to get in there, which I was super excited about. And um, in the first trimester, we did have our first appointment with her. And what was your first impression? I thought she was great. Uh, She wasn't like, I don't know. She didn't sound like a strict doctor in the hospital she sounded closer to like a midwife not that maybe there isn't much difference between the two but uh she's very relaxed she uh uh was like very for like your what you wanted to do things like that yeah she's great love her love her <laughs> love her can't get enough no truly i'm so it's excited a great 30 that. minutes can't i can't stop thinking about it <laughs> i am so happy that we found her you guys she is such a blessing. So I will tell you all about the appointment. So we went in and I didn't really know what to expect because like I said, I've literally never seen an OB while pregnant. I did like, you know, for well checks as a teenager and stuff. But even before getting pregnant, I switched to a midwife. Um, but it had just been so long and I just love the midwifery care model, how it's just, it's less about intervening. It's more about just trusting the mom and her body. Um, and that's just more my jam. And typically that's, I mean, that's not always the case. It clearly, it isn't in this case. Um, but that's just, you know, the obstetric care model is just a little bit different. So I just didn't really know what to expect. And I went in just with some questions to ask her, which I'll share with you guys and was just kind of hoping for the best. And she blew my expectations out of the water. She is fabulous. She was so thorough. A lot of times people say like their OB appointments are so rushed and midwives, you can ask all the questions and it's like way more laid back and like they spend a lot of time with you. And I feel like she spent so much time with us. Nothing about our appointment was rushed. And I had like kind of a lot to discuss and like bring her up to speed on because the end of my pregnancy and birth and postpartum was just like kind of bananas. <laughs> so I just had a lot I wanted to like discuss with her. And I also wanted to see like how she kind of reacted to these different things. And she, oh God, I just love her. I'm just so, so happy that we found her. So she's definitely very natural minded. Like off the bat, she was saying, you know, I don't care what position you, um, like I didn't even ask her this. She just offered this. She said, I don't care what position you want to push in. If you want to be on your hands and knees, if you want to be on your side, if you want to be on your back, if you want to squat, like you do you mama, we are just here to help you get that baby out. And that is like a huge green flag, I guess, like opposite of a red flag. If you want, you know, a more natural, and I'm not even necessarily, well, I mean, I guess if you have an epidural, you're probably just kind of on your back. But if you're, if you're looking for more of a natural birth and you want to be able to have like the freedom to move around and to do what your body is telling you to do, that is a huge question to ask. Like, and not even really ask, like, don't ask what's allowed. Say, you know, if I want to push on my hands and knees, um, is that something that you're comfortable with? And if they're like, no, we really just want you to be on your back. That's probably not a provider who's going to be super open-minded to your 
going against the grain, going against the norm in a hospital setting. Not necessarily the case, but um, if you Google, there's a ton of questions you'll find that you can ask your OB. Specifically, I didn't ask, like those lists can be really overwhelming. I mean, there's like, not hundreds, but so many questions you could ask. And having been through labor before, having had a hospital birth before with my last one, I like narrowed it down to what was like most important to me. So um, I asked her like, what does the on-call situation look like? What are my chances of actually having her or the other doctor in the practice there when I um, give birth? Um, which isn't a huge thing for me because literally the doctor comes in for like the last five seconds, or at least that's how it was for me last time. I didn't even know her name. She was gone before I even like <laughs> knew what she looked like. I mean, she had a mask on. Um, so that to me is not a huge deal, but it's more so like the, the you know, the care leading up and not pushing induction and stuff like that. Um, I asked her how late past my due date can I go? And she was like, 41 weeks is like our policy. But another green flag for me was she was like, but listen, if you're, if we have like a, if you're like really close, you know, to giving birth and you really, really want to go into labor naturally, if we have like a plan in place for like 41 and one or 41 and two, an induction is scheduled. She's like, I can be flexible there. She's like, I'm not going to be super, um, hard on that, but like that is technically our policy. So I was like, Hey, love that. Um, I asked her like what the induction protocol is because I didn't want to have like an induction forced on me. Um, at like, oh, it's 39 weeks. Like technically it's safe. Let's just go ahead and induce you. Because when I talked to one of the nurses on the phone originally and I asked about like, oh, when are they on call? She was like, oh, like real nonchalant. Like, oh, we'll just go ahead and induce you on one of the days that they're there. And I was like, um, no, <laughs> that's not what I want to do. So I was like really curious what the doctor was going to say, but she said the exact opposite. She was like, I'm not going to induce you. If baby is fine, you are fine. There's literally no reason to induce, like, unless you were past 41 weeks. Um, and I also asked her, like, okay, so when you're on call, you know, what she said to me was not like, oh, I'll induce you so that you can, so I can deliver your baby. But it was, she actually mentioned, which is more of a midwives thing. Um, she was like, oh, you can take like a, uh, we have like a special smoothie, which is definitely like a castor oil smoothie, I'm assuming. Um, that I would recommend that you take so that you will like most likely go into labor when I'm in the hospital. So com like totally natural approach to <laughs> induction essentially, which I loved that. And then I asked her like, can I walk around during labor? Do you have the type of monitoring that will allow me to be mobile? And she said, yes, you just have to ask for that. Um, so those are, those are my four questions. Those were like the main things I asked. Um, she brought up the pushing question or I would have asked that. Um, I just felt very heard by her. And I, the best part about this whole appointment was, do you remember when I brought up the whole preeclampsia situation? Yeah, she doesn't think you actually had preeclampsia. <laughs> okay, you guys, so this has been like weighing on me because I'm not going to go into it. You can listen to our birth story. Long story short, I had this, I think I like had like a borderline panic attack, honestly, looking back. I had a lot of stress and anxiety in my last pregnancy and I didn't even really realize it was anxiety until afterwards whatever um and there's just this one very stressful day and I feel like my blood pressure did go up and I had some spotty vision and I took my blood pressure and it was super high I didn't realize until like three months later I was actually using the cuff wrong which I feel like such an idiot because in the hospital they were like are you sure you're using the cuff right? Because when I got to the hospital, my blood pressure was absolutely fine, just like it had been my whole pregnancy. And I was like, of course I was using the cuff right. 
Like, how hard can it be? And I was using it wrong, you guys. Ugh. So I don't know how accurate that measurement was. And they were like, okay, because of your spotty vision and this one lab value creatinine that was slightly elevated, that was rechecked the next day and ended up being a fluke, even though I asked them, is there any way this could be a fluke? And they told me no. Everything else was completely fine. Blood pressure was fine. No protein in my urine. Um, everything else looked fine. But these two things, spotty vision that went away after an hour and um, the creatinine level was elevated. They were like, you have preeclampsia. You're not leaving the hospital. You're indu We're inducing you and you have to be on magnesium. And like just, it was just like, whew, it was rough because that I was planning to have a home birth. And that was the exact opposite. And it was just such a surprise. Um, so I explained the whole situation to her. And I was like, listen, I don't think I had preeclampsia. And I'm thinking that she probably thinks like I'm this crazy patient because you got to listen to the doctors. Everything the doctors say is, is always correct. You know, they're the smart ones with the degrees. But I was just like, I don't think I had preeclampsia. And I explained the whole situation to her. And she literally goes, oh oh my God, you did not have preeclampsia. And I literally could have fainted with happiness. I felt so heard because I was so afraid that this diagnosis was going to follow me. And I was afraid it was going to be like, well, you know, you're 39 weeks and with your history of preeclampsia, we might just want to induce you and like go down that whole path that I did not want to go down because I didn't think it was, you know, I don't think it's warranted. And she totally agreed. She's like, I don't think it's warranted. And then she even explained she was like oh my god so then I told her I was on the magnesium and she was like oh my god you're kidding me they put you on magnesium she was literally like they blew this so out of proportion she was like you literally have to be like really really in bad shape for us to put you on magnesium and I was like I was literally fine my blood pressure was fine I was like chilling like hey I'm here I don't know what's going on and they were like magnesium you're gonna stroke out which is whatever so she was like, okay, definitely would have done that. I would not have induced you. And she was like, in fact, I literally have another patient very recently with, because she was like, what doctor was it? Was it a man? And I was like, no, it was a woman. She's like, okay, never mind. Because she was like, it's just so weird that you're telling me this. I had had an exact situation like this recently. Um, the only difference was the mom was planning on having a VBAC. And she had slightly elevated blood pressure. She came into the hospital. Her creatinine was elevated slightly, but everything else was normal. She didn't have any protein in her urine. And the doctor there was like, you have preeclampsia, emergency C-section. We need to get that baby out right now. So he called to tell, like consult with my OB, her OB. And she was like, no, absolutely not. That is not warranted. This is my patient. I will keep an eye on her. I promise that she's not going to slip through the cracks and... She was like, she literally the next week went on to have a healthy baby via um, VBAC and it was great. So basically I just felt very heard by her and I kind of learned a lesson of, you know, if you're planning on having a home birth, I mean, the chances of you having a hospital transfer are so low, which is why I didn't even entertain this option. But I do know of moms that will like go meet with an OB and like pick an OB just in case they end up having a hospital transfer. Like, I know that that's a thing. Um, I just didn't think to do that. And in this particular instance, it would have been super helpful because I basically didn't have anyone in my corner vouching for me. Um, because of the pandemic, my midwife, like, she would have came to the hospital, but she, like, physically wasn't allowed in unless, Matt, unless you left, which that wasn't happening. Um, so I didn't have anyone there to, like, vouch for me. And I... I understand from their perspective, like a liability, it's like this random person shows up on your doorstep. They might have like, you know, it's, 
they might have preeclampsia. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable letting me go either. And just for to be like totally on the safe side, it's like, okay, let's just induce you and get the baby out. So like, there's no way that this turns into something worse and we let you go, you know? Um, so I get it, but it's super helpful to have like a doctor who can, or potentially a midwife, depending on the situation, um, who can really be like, "Mm, no, like advocate for you and, um, and help steer you maybe through or out of those situations. Because if I had had that doctor, there's no way I would have been induced. Like she was just like, yeah, there's just, there's just no way that was in my eyes. That was not at all warranted. I would have sent you home. Um, so anyway, so I love her. I love that she's like on my page. I love that she actually like listened to me. Um, and when I was telling her about how the nurse like checked me and I was at a five and I thought I was going through transition and, and then I like lo- totally lost all control and like calm I had because I was like, okay, get me the epidural. Like this is crazy because this feels like transition, but I'm only halfway. But I was right. I was going through a transition because Hadley was literally born like 25 minutes later. And she was like, you were right. Like you were right. You were going through transition. And I was like, thank you. And she was like, I bet that nurse felt bad afterwards for like checking you and, and, you know, messing with your head. And I was like, I mean, you know, whatever's her job. Like I'm not, I'm, it's not, it's not like she was lying to me, what my, how many centimeters I was, but, um, so yeah, just love her, love her super, super excited, um, to have her as my care provider. And, um, I just feel really safe with her and I feel really, um, supported with her. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so a couple other things, life happenings. We, um, bought some, uh, real estate during my first trimester. Yeah. We bought two, uh, one bedroom cottages in, uh, with beach, Delaware. We're going to rent them out on Airbnb or they are up now. So if you're interested, we can link them for you. (laughs) If you're local, link them, uh, check out Becca's Instagram, my Instagram. There's links there. Cozy cottages. Yeah, they're adorable. This is Matt's big uh, venture. He's going to be an Airbnb guy now. It's going to be my new Instagram handle, Airbnb guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but, uh, yeah, we're excited about it. Hopefully uh, it's a worthy investment. We'll see. I think so. So that was kind of just, you know, we had to like drive down to the beach and settle and sign papers. And I was feeling like crap when we were like looking at houses. And so that was kind of fun. Um that's kind of like a theme. Every time I'm in my first trimester, we're like looking to move or to buy something. It's true. Um, Luckily, we weren't moving this time. No, thank God. I never want to move again. Um, so that was excited. That's like Matt's big thing he's taken on this year and for years to come. Um, and then also at the very end of my first trimester, we announced our pregnancy on Instagram, which was super fun, and YouTube, which was super fun. Um, and we had Christmas. Yeah, uh, Christmas was great. Hayden loved it this year. She's now three years old. So, I mean, she got it to a point. She knew gifts were coming. She knew, you know, Santa comes down the chimney, all that stuff. So it was really cute to watch her. Made it exciting. Make, made Christmas more exciting than usual. Oh, yeah. It's so much more fun. And our power didn't go out this year. So. True. As it did the year before, yeah. <laughs> so that was nice. Um, I got up early and I made cinnamon buns, which was the first time I had gotten up. I mean, I got up at like 5 a.m to make these sourdough cinnamon rolls they were delicious they were so good they were worth it but man i definitely like probably overdid it a little bit just because that was the first time i had woken up before anybody else (laughs) really i think uh, my whole first trimester yeah i was shocked you did that but thank you for doing it i mean it's christmas you gotta do it Mm. 
it's just the Christmas magic. Um, So we had a really, yeah, we had a wonderful Christmas. We had a wonderful, you know, end to this year, which we'll kind of get into in the next um, episodes, maybe. Um, But yeah, good Christmas, good New Year. Not really anything to report. It was very low key. Um, But yeah, that's, I think that's, that's it for the first, first try. What a ride. (laughs) Here we are in the second try. Matt's just playing with Rosie right now, who's our dog. <laughs> He's like, okay, let's wrap it up. <laughs> it's not true. Uh, Rosie is still our firstborn. She's a sweet girl. True. Sleeps in her bed every night. None of our kids sleep in our bed, but our dog does. Of course she does. Firstborn. Uh, anyway, so thank you guys for listening. That was like a lot of information, but... Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. We're just kind of bringing you up to speed, filling you in on the first trimester, all the things that are different this time around. Um, and coming up, we will be sharing, you know, what's happening with my pregnancy and our life, obviously. But we're also going to have some fun birth stories, too, which I'm super excited to bring to you guys. I love birth stories, and I always binge them either via podcast or video um, when I'm pregnant. I've already been doing that big time so i'm super excited to be able to share some of these women's stories with you guys because i just think her stories are really powerful and they're just wonderful to listen to so keep an eye out for that but that is all we have for this episode thank you guys for listening and we'll see you in the next one sayonara bye